Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. It's me, Dave Wakeman. Uh, we're back for 2021. And my guest today is Secutech CEO, Frederick Longat. Um, but first, let me know how you're doing. Is uh, 2021, 2021 has started out with the same fire and fury as 2020. Um, it's got strong 2020 energy, as the kids might say. Um, I know this is very difficult. This pandemic has gone on for a long time. Uh, I understand just from my own experiences that like, you know, the mental stress of this thing can be trying at times and the monotony of the days sometimes can get to you, Um, you know, not having the same ability to travel and hang out and like see people. It's tough sometimes. So don't feel like you have to go through this alone. Send me an email. It's my name, Dave at DaveWakeman.com. Just let me know how you're doing. If you need somebody to talk to, I mean, I'm there for you, right? Uh, If you want to network or connect with people, we have a really nice community around the Talking Tickets newsletter. Uh, You can send me an email and I can get you hooked up in there too. It's uh, 250, 300 people in there right now. It's, you know, a nice little group. Um, Pretty decent interaction. A lot of people, you know, they kind of uh, keep their conversations in the DMs, but it's a great little community, you know, and it's nice because it gives people a chance to connect with each other right now. So do that, do that thing. Um, make sure as 2021 starting, you check out my partners, booking protect the global leaders in refund protection. You can find their website at bookingprotect.com. The refund protection is probably going to be a really, really, uh, key partner in your ability to sell tickets to your clients in the near term and just in general, but uh, um, peace of mind, new revenue streams, uh, security for you and your organization. Those th- uh, those are all things that offering refund protection will help you with. So check out Booking Protect. Uh, talk to Cat, Simon, Kath, uh, all of them. They're all great. They're all awesome people. I have said that for years. I mean it more so today than I probably did even at the beginning. Um, they're awesome people. Check them out. They have a great blog with lots of stuff about um, relationships, business building, revenue, generating fan relationships, all kinds of great stuff. So check it out, bookingprotect.com. Um, also, make sure you check out my friends at Activity Stream. Uh, That's activitystream.com. They are the people behind the We Will Recover project, which comes in at wewillrecover.live. Martin, Anar, and the team have put together um, a website filled with ideas and webinars and classes and news from around the world to help people focus on recovery, reinvention, rethinking. Um, Activity Stream and the We Will Recover project are tremendous resources and assets for everybody. Um, and again, just all everybody, super, super nice people. Um, and so check those people out. Now, back to my guest today, who is Frederick Longat from Secutix. Uh, he wrote a really great piece that you can find on my website at DaveWakeman.com with trends for the new year. But we had a, a really cool conversation um, because Frederick and Secutix have, um, you know, they have their thumb on their market. And I say it like that because there's a point in the conversation that I have with Frederick here where you can almost hear like the the needle scratch on a, phon- a phonograph, right? On an LP, on a vinyl record, because I go, Frederick, 
you've talked in this language of a marketer in a way that would describe market orientation for the entire conversation. And this market orientation thing is super important, more important than ever now, because being market oriented simply means getting the customer inside your organization. And Frederick talks about that a lot. Um, you know, it, from my point of view and as a way that I've been trying to teach people about this for years is being closer to your customer allows you to understand what they need. Understanding your customers allows you to offer them better products and services. And because you're offering better products and services, it makes you more profitable. And that's going to be a key idea and a key concept to keep in mind as we move through the pandemic. Now, some of the stuff that you should be paying attention to is, um, Frederick talked about the museum sector, which we don't bring up a lot, but which is one of the places where I really kind of where I got my first big break was I helped open the Experience Music Project in Seattle, which is now called Mopop. And um, it was started by Paul Allen, who was one of the co-founders of Microsoft. And I was fortunate enough that there was a lot of people who were involved a lot of people with a lot better backgrounds and a lot better um, educations than I had at the time, you, you know, and they were all trying to figure out how to sell and market different aspects of the museum or the museum in general to different segments of the, of the market. And one of the more areas that they struggled with was the business to business community in Seattle in downtown Seattle, specifically people who had access to the monorail. And so one day um, through some work I was doing on a committee and some other things, it, uh, I got into a conversation with Jody, who was Paul's sister, who was the CEO of the museum. And she said, you do a really great job of selling yourself. I want you to do it for the organization. Um, at the time, I was really just working in the restaurant and bar on events, um, helping pull together like marketing events and things like this. And so I got the opportunity to come up with plans and ideas to sell the museum to the Seattle business community, which was and report back to Jody. And that was one of the really first big breaks I ever had, um, which this is a long drawn out story to talk about um, some of the examples Frederick talks about as far as museums and things that museums have had to do um, to change and adapt to the pandemic. Um, and, you know, like I guess that's a humble brag, too, that I got to talk about my background, whatever. Um, so we talked about that. Uh, we talked about the ability to get close to clients, especially in an environment where people are scared. Right. Um, they're trying to get through the situation, but they don't know what the future looks like. And that is something that I can guarantee, even if you don't recognize it, we're all coping with because we, none of us know because we haven't had a pandemic of this scale since 1918. None of us were alive the last time this happened, uh, or at least none of us. I don't think listening to the podcast, if there is anybody who is 102 years old or almost 103 Send me a note. I'd love to talk to you. Okay, um, tell me what happens on the other side of this thing. Um, you know, we we talk about agile and what being agile really means. We talk about the power of change. We talk about uncertainty. We talk about innovation. We talk about um, you know being focused on being mobile or being adaptive. Um, Frederick does a really great job of talking about what kind of your tech stack looks like and should be. You should how you should be able to adapt it. Um, we talk about strategy. We talked about um, the future of subscription-based models for venues and museums and all these organizations. Um, we talked about segmentation and targeting. We talked about implementation. Uh, we hit on trust, uh, reopening, 
audience development, uh, innovation. We hit just tons and tons of really, really great stuff. Starting off the new year with this conversation, I think is good. Um, I think it's a really great conversation to start off with because uh, Frederick has a really, really great way of explaining things in a way that's practical and actionable, but also really, really valuable. And and I think that some of these concepts and ideas that um, we struggle with because they're become kind of fuzzy. Uh, Frederick's able, uh, you know, along with, with my help, hopefully, to put a definition on things to help you move forward. So I think this is going to be great. Um, I can't wait for you to hear this. You know, and once it's done, let me know what you think. But here's my f- conversation with Frederick from Secutix. I want to welcome Frederick Longet from Secutix to the Business of Fun podcast. Frederick, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you, Dave. Great, oh, great to meet you. Great to see you. Uh, it's very, uh, you, you've been uh, telling me all about what, what it's like outside your office window, and um, and I'm jealous. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. you for starting my day off with a slight amount of jealousy. <laughs> oh, it's coming, but the ski resorts are pretty much closed. So, yeah, really? uh, unfortunately. Hopefully, we're going to, uh, I think you and I agree, uh, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just how fast we get to the end of the tunnel now. Definitely. Um, It'll be and it's going to be an exciting year. And you wrote a um, a piece that I shared on in my newsletter, talking tickets, and that I put on my website with seven predictions for the year. And I latched onto a couple of these ideas because I thought they were very forward looking. Which is a, as we were talking about before this, a big thing for me this year is helping people understand how to move forward, how to recover their businesses, um, you, you know, how to get back into the mode of creating experiences for people so they can come, they can be together, um, they can celebrate, they can enjoy the arts, they can enjoy concerts, games, whatever. Um, let me ask you, though, from the start, uh, because I think you, you started talking about some really cool stuff, and I was like, oh, hold on a second, let's record this thing. Um, you know, what were a couple of the big lessons that you and, or, and Secutex learned this past year? Because uh, you, you talked about something, you were starting to put um, a framework around it, which was windmill builder, which I want you to define for everybody. And then you started talking about being agile. And I think a lot of times people don't necessarily understand what being agile really means. Okay. No, definitely. No, it's, uh, you know, this is this, uh, this saying that uh, whenever storms comes, you have got people who are building shelters and people who are building windmills. So, so the question is, uh, how can we react to, to such a crisis? And uh, clearly, you know, we some businesses have the change to be a windmill builders because they've got, you know, a strong financial uh, uh, background and strong, uh, strong, strong assets. Some others will lean more towards the shelter front. Uh, I mean, as far as security is concerned, and being a technology company and helping our clients to be as successful as possible to to monetize uh, their their products, whether they are games or events or whatever, uh, and managing their audience, uh, we said, okay, well, uh, you know, obviously there was a, a part of shock at the beginning. Uh, everybody was shocked by the situation, but once we uh, we started to reconvene and regroup as a as a company, we. Our view was okay. Let's be windmills builders and let's try to to see what we can do and how we can accompany the, the change of paradigm which is coming to, to the industry and the world in, in general. So that's why we we 
we really focused at the, you know, at the, I would say around March last year to to get close to very close to our clients and try to understand which situation they were in and, and in which mindset they were in. And, and many of them were actually quite petrified, which is absolutely uh, normal given given the situation. So essentially, what what our approach has been is um, okay. Well, we are going through this situation. Uh, number of factors are pretty much outside of control. So what can be done? And um, and it was interesting because we had some uh, you know clients who were really uh, looking forward to do something I would call it useful with this time. Um, I mean, first of, first and foremost, they had to uh, to adjust to a new normal, which was you know doing mass reimbursement, for instance, or uh, replanning and re-replanning and re-replanning events as. Uh, uh, you know the various lockdowns happened, so it, it kept them busy for for some time. But after after a while, you know, we are clearly, you know, I, mean, I always say that we we are probably working as much or even more than before, but for far less uh, economical results. Uh, we started to work with a number of our clients on okay, well, what what can we learn from from what is going on? And uh, and I think one of the things that we learn is uh, uh, to your point, uh, Dave, is to be agile. Uh, and what do we mean by agile? Uh, it's to be agile from a from a business standpoint. So you know, a number of our clients have started to look at and experiment some new ways of of uh, you know bringing people into the venues. Um, one of them was to uh, you know to enable new revenue stream uh, through uh, through streaming. So we have got a, a quite a, a Champions League level club in Switzerland, uh, who's quite rapidly they started to monetize for their membership and fan base. Um, Video, direct video streaming from, from their games. Uh, obviously, it did not replace the revenue from uh, in-person uh, fans in the stadium, but this was a start. Uh, we've got some other clients who actually accelerated their, just giving you another example, uh, accelerated their strategy towards mobile and, and secure mobile ticketing. Uh, and what, bring, what it brings to them is one, you know, contactless, obviously, uh, but also uh, it enables them to better trace uh, who are the person who are coming into the venue, are they really present, and be able to to handle you know um, case uh, declaration much much efficiently. Um, but you know, by maybe one of the points which was probably more true in the museum sector, uh, I don't really know in the US, but uh, which is a bit different as far as museums are concerned. But in in, in Europe. Essentially, don't have museum fans or uh, a stable museum visitor base. Uh, those are usually one of visitors. Uh, and but some some large museum in, in Europe, they, they had started to collect uh, audience data well before the pandemic, uh, which enabled them to organize some you know small small tours, virtual tours, uh, small groups getting together in, in the museums. And offer you know new uh, new type of products that they didn't do uh, before, whereas museums, more traditional museums, I would say in, in Europe, who didn't pay attention to their audience and fan base, uh, they were pretty much stuck because they had no one to engage, uh, even with new 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 possibilities. So clearly, you know, it's, it has changed, and I think it has opened up the mind of, of a number of uh, right holders and venue venue organizers to, uh, to what what is coming. That's interesting about the museums because oh, so it wasn't the first thing I did as a kid uh, when I was starting out, but it was one of the first things is I helped open the Experience Music Project in Seattle, and um, then I lived in New York for a while, and I always had 
uh, museum memberships. So I, I had, so I, I've learned that in Europe, that's not as big of a, a thing, which is, which is just an obvious way to connect with people now. Um, you know, and I've seen arts organizations in New York who have had to recreate their entire experience to make it uh, digital. So they did, you know, they caught up uh, 10 or 15 years of technology and innovation in um, about yeah. three weeks. <laughs> so I guess it, show, it goes to show that like sometimes uh, you really need a um, some sort of spark to get the innovation train going. Um, and the agile thing, is interesting to me because I mean, you did, you defined it and said, look, we need to experiment. There's um, you know, and some of these things, they don't have to be big. And I think one of the things that you talked about innovation, you talked about being agile. And to me, it seems that one of the challenges that both of these words create for people when they're sitting in their organizations and they're thinking about, well, what does innovation mean? Or what does being agile mean? It's a buzzword. People talk about it all the time. It doesn't really have a, um, if you don't define it, right? This is my, this is my take, right? So any word that I give people, I want to define it. That way, they understand what I mean by it. Um, you know, how do you help people get? You know, how do you help people understand that like agility and innovation doesn't have to be this huge thing where you're blowing up everything. It, it's oftentimes like small incremental things, right? It's uh, changing the way you're entering the building, right? That's, I mean, that's innovate, that's innovation, right? But it can have a huge impact, right? Because even in the best of times, let's forget COVID for a second, because we're at some point this year, we'll move to the other side of this and we'll start to see things return a little bit to normal. Um, you know, how do we help encourage people to keep the spirit of innovation and the spirit of agility and experimentation um, you know, and how do you as, as a partner to, to the people you work with make it safe for them? Yeah. No, so I think, you know, innovation, clearly each of the right holders, museums and new operators, uh, um, you know, sports, uh, sports club owners, etc. They are the best position to innovate in terms of, you know, what type of product their audience needs. Uh, so that, that's one thing. Um, the, the other thing is are also very well, you know, they should be very well uh, equipped to engage with their audience and their fan base, because this is their, I mean, this is their fan base, this is theirs, they know it, they know the different profile and segment, etc. As far as Securitix is concerned, we are essentially a technology platform. So our, our job is to give as much tools, as efficient as possible for uh, those, those, those right holders to be agile in the, in the sense of, you know, being able to monetize New type of product, product, new type of innovations, um, new new ways of engaging engaging with, with the platform, new ways to secure the way people are coming to the venues. Um, so I think you know, uh, to your point, I think yes, it's true that you can do innovation. I mean, this is one of our conviction, at least as a as a as an organization and as a, as a company. It's true that you can do innovation step by step, but you also need to have a very strong foundation uh, as far as technology and digital is concerned. Uh, you know, otherwise you end up having a, a very complex system with multiple vendors and multiple things to integrate and, and then it stops de facto innovation. So the, the approach of Securitix, which is also the approach of other, other players, is to, to have what we call an open platform, meaning that we are trying to make innovation coming from 
other parties uh, and coming from other you know software or digital vendor to be easily integrated into our right members our right holders clients and be able to test very quickly not only the activation of those innovation but also the monetization of those innovations so to your point i agree that innovation is a step-by-step -step process it doesn't have to be big but equally in order to be able to be to do innovation at speed Uh, there are a number of technical foundation that needs to be in place. Um, and some clients have it, some clients don't. Okay, so uh, this is something I'm curious about because you talked you said too much complexity and you make the Secutix platform an open platform that makes it easy for people to integrate outside partners um, and easy to test. Most of the time, I think that one of the barriers that a lot of organizations are dealing with is that everything we're talking like you and I are talking about and, and I don't even consider myself much of a, I mean I know tech enough to, about technology just to be dangerous is really the is really the thing um, how do you simplify it for somebody now because I, what I what I sense from talking to people is that everybody is uh, maybe they're not petrified like they were before but they're still largely overwhelmed mm. um, and the longer this goes on, the more um, sen the sense of overwhelm continues to grow. And I, I have a hypothesis and it sounds like you're, you're as much of a marketer as I am because I keep hearing about segments and data and uh, market mm -hmm. orientation. So we'll get, we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, but I guess, how do we, how do we simplify these, you know, these technological opportunities for people and how do we help people understand that, whatever we're going to come, whatever comes next. Right. Because I, I feel like this is going to be a fissure between like whatever was before and whatever comes next to help people see past what they perceive to be complex. How do we simplify the process of technology? Because I know that like the platform that you offer is easy to use because it's been designed that way. And it's, you know, you can plug and play. Um, and I know that's the same for a lot of partners, right? Because People in no matter, I mean, I guess technology across the world has become much, much simpler to use because if people aren't using it, it's not effective, right? So tickets is just going along with yeah. the trend in other businesses. But I still, but from my conversations, it seems like people are still like a little bit uncertain or they still have that sense of everything's too complex, you know? So how do we help them overcome that? Hmm. Well, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting question. So. Uh, you know, I was mentioning to you earlier, um, interestingly, this year we had a, a lot of very interesting and, and, um, and you know, groundbreaking conversation, particularly uh, in Northern Europe and in the UK, uh, about, you know, how can clients move from a, a current state of complexity to something which is leaner, more innovative, more digital. And to a certain extent, this has been one of the good things about about the pandemic, I mean, there are not many, but at least from, if we want to be over positive, this is one of those. Um, you know, it, mean that, uh, it meant that a number of people had more time to, to think about where they were and what, where they wanted to go. And uh, it gives them a bit more, you know, uh, brain time to, to reflect uh, as opposed to be constantly uh, pushed by, uh, you know, the next event, the next game or the next show. Um, so, I think it's a difficult, I mean, again, I'm going to give an answer, which is more from a technology standpoint, but, you know, integration of various types of system, despite everybody tells you it's, it's complicated. 
so it means that you know for for large venues i would call it, you know mature clients they already have an IT team they already have you know a marketing team and, and they, have, they are putting the bricks one after the other in a in a structured fashion and and you know they, they can address those challenges and they can eventually move fast but for the mass majority uh, of um, you know right holders the new managers sports clubs uh, they're not they are usually not necessarily equipped especially from an IT point of view to embrace the technological change which which will ultimately give them the um, uh, the business agility that is required. So I think, you know, if I were to remove my Securitics hat for a second and just be in a position for to be, a, you know, a, a club manager, I would definitely try to, to, to simplify and rethink uh, the way my, uh, my IT landscape operates and try to make it as simple as possible. And, and this is where tools such as Securitics or others uh, can help because essentially we are positioning ourselves as a, certainly a ticketing platform, but more generally speaking, a monetization platform for, for right holders. And, and uh, our platform enables our clients to add, for instance, you know, all sorts of products, uh, you know, obviously merchandising, streaming, we discussed about it, video on demand, uh, parkings. So the, the you know, and, and there are also, you know, many uh, B2C uh, mobile uh, innovation, or, you know, around the, uh, um, food and beverage at the seat, etc. So you, you need a, some sort of platform which enables you to consolidate and monetize all those products to a well-managed audience. And uh, and it doesn't have to be complicated, but you need this foundation. If you keep on adding bits and pieces all the time, then it, it, it soon becomes very, very complicated. In addition to that, I think, you know, uh, I'm not originally from the ticketing industry, but what I've seen is, uh, you know, uh, Ticket, and I think this will be one lesson of this uh, of this uh, pandemic. Uh, ticketing is just one product amongst others. Yes, certainly it's an important one, but it's one product amongst others. And to date, you know, ticketing monetization has been, you know, quite segregated, quite handled in a different mm -hmm. way than all the rest of the various products that a, 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 a club sport owner can can offer to its fans. So. I think it would become more like, you know, ticketing is one of the products, season ticket is another product, but there will be much more product. Uh, and to, to this extent, you know, we are talking about predictions for 2021, but one of our predictions for 2024, 2025 would be, uh, would be the move to subscription-based models, you know? Uh, so for instance, you take a subscription to a sports club and you get obviously uh, a couple of uh, games ticket, but you also get access to streaming of the other games and you get access to specific content and you will play, pay a, a monthly Netflix-like flat fee for, for a bundle. Mm -hmm. uh, we are far away, away from it because, you know, in certain instances, even the single basket approach is, is complicated today, but this is what we are, we are going to orient our products towards in, in the coming, uh, coming years. So the, the all of that to say that ticketing is one of the products. Uh, there, must, there are many other products. Being able to monetize it efficiently is, uh, is key. Yeah. I, I really like the example, if we go back a little bit, to where you have a Champions League level club and you'd help them take their memberships and offer them something which was a live feed into the stadium, right? Which probably in most cases, they'd be able to see that through their regular like TV package or whatever, but you're giving them something unique. Um, and this idea of it in the next three or four years, things being completely subscription-based is um, 
it doesn't seem far-fetched to me because um, one example that I talked to is uh, somebody, uh, you know, I had a chance to go to Australia and speak with the Australian Football League, and they already are doing some something like that. And it works through their ticketing platform, uh, which, you know, and um, but I think what people miss is that the fact that instead of just being localized, the subscription product, right, it actually becomes global in nature because um, as a, fa- a member of the um, – FC Melbourne, the, so the Devils, the Ds, uh, in the Australian Football League, I can stream the games. I if, if I'm there in time for a match, I get a ticket to the match. Um, they send me merchandise. Um, it is uh, there's a eight or ten different what we what you just call products involved in the subscription pre- uh, thing, and for hundred and whatever it is dollars a year, it's a totally great value for me. I and the, probably the thing is is like. Otherwise, I wouldn't use it, or I wouldn't spend that money. So they've captured money in America just yeah. for that. No, your your example about the FC Melbourne is is, uh, is very good. And actually, I lived in Melbourne for for five years, so I, I, I you, you are speaking to me now. But um, <laughs> I don't have my hat on. Usually, I have my uh, FC Melbourne hat on because my office is super cold. <laughs> no, but um, you know. It, you just look at in Europe the tier one uh, soccer clubs. You know, I'm mm-hmm. talking about Real Madrid. I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, Manchester United, uh, Paris mm-hmm. Saint Germain. You just take Real Madrid. I mean, the number of fans, I mean, that they have in China is in millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to this state, you know, I mean, uh, obviously they are innovating and trying, but you know, monetizing these fans beyond having a, yet another uh, follower on Facebook or Twitter is is still uh, up in the air, but it will come. Uh, and this is, you know, at a global level, as you say, but even at a local local level, you know, even if I'm a subscription, uh, a season ticket holder of Lausanne Hockey Club, which is our home, uh, home right. big team hockey, I cannot go to all, even if I can go to all the, to, to all the games, I cannot necessarily, uh, you know, attend to all the games. So I should be able to easily transfer a ticket to one of my friends mm-hmm. and as part of my subscription, be able to, um, to, uh, to see the game uh, on streaming on, on, my, on my device. Uh, and I think it's part of a general trend that, uh, you know, things were, which used to be outsourced um, to third party, you know, thanks to digital and technologies are becoming reinsourced. Uh, we clearly see it in the ticketing world where, you know, up 10, 15 years ago, it was probably easier to give all your ticketing uh, work to a, to a big distributor, right? Okay, you forget about it, it's complicated, you have access control, etc. you give everything to a distributor. And now clearly there is a reinsourcing trend in, in the world of ticketing, even global events, you know, we are, there is, there are the, you know, the Olympics in Tokyo in next year or UFA um, uh, Euro 2021 now. Uh, those, those organizations, those very large organizations or federations, they, they used to, to outsource their ticketing needs to, to large distributors. And now they are resourcing because they need to know the European fans who are going to come to the European games and they need to be able to engage and eventually create memberships. So this is true for ticketing, but it's also true for broadcasting and, uh, you know, uh, video content, uh, written, I mean, editorial content, merchandising, etc., and, and be able to, to essentially regain control of your, when you regain control of your audience, you also regain control on your products. Uh, you have to decide 
uh, what the limit is in terms of what you want to insource versus what you are ready to outsource. But there is clearly a trend toward uh, reinsourcing uh, thanks to technology. You're speaking a lot of the uh, language that I love, which is the um, the language of a properly trained marketer. And so you've talked a lot about, um, and you haven't used this term, but this is a term I've been trying to teach people about for the last, um, I think, forever. But it's about being market oriented, and it's about bringing the voice of the customer inside the business, so that you're close. You, and you use this closer to the customer, and. And then you have great, you know, you're being more thoughtful about the marketing mix, right? So it's like distribution, right? Like, so if I outsource my distribution, um, I have to trust that like they're treating my customer well, that they're doing, you know, they're agreeing to some of the restrictions and the pricing restrictions that I put in place. You know, it's, it's a big ask to give up so much control. And this is a really great time to bring the, um, you know, the customer back into your organization and the look at, what do they value? What do they need? You know, how can I create something for them? Because if history is any indication, um, people are going to go back to events, right? Because we've been going to events together uh, thousands and thousands of years. Um, if history is any indication coming out of a pandemic, the um, competition the business environment is going to be harsh for a lot of businesses because in any downturn, uh, any downturn, there is a lot of um, culling of the herd, I guess would be an example, a way I would describe it, right? It's just, there, there are a lot of businesses that weren't healthy. They're going to go away. Um, and there's going to be an economic and psychological challenge that we're going to deal with. The, the examples that you're talking about, right, which is like, I want to put the customer at the center of everything. I want to bring the customer's voice into the organization. I want to recognize what I can deliver that's unique to this customer. It's hard for organizations to do. Yeah, like we, never, we didn't talk about this before. So if I'm springing it on you, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, how, do you, how, how have you trained the organization and your partners? How do you get people so focused on that? Because this is not universal. Because most of the time, what I, when I come across people, um, you know, they, they think they can advertise their way out of it, or they want to run sales promotions, and they want to just like any revenue is great revenue, or they think that their product is going to solve all their problems. And all of those, um, they they can work, but usually the, the approach you take does a couple things for people. And, and I'm belaboring this point because I've been trying to make it for years. So I'm, I'm again, continue to make it. When you've put the customer at the center of the process, you're closer, which you said. Um, it allows you to do a better job of introducing products and services that meet the needs of your market. But most of the time, and this is most important to me, which comes back to the seven things we're trying to predict for the year, it makes you more profitable, right? You may, you know, you, you're able to introduce things and offer people things that they are willing to pay money for, uh, and, and you're we, we are able to make a profit. Um, obviously, Secutex is, uh, has that in spades, right? Because it starts at the top. Um, how do you help people see that? Because it's, it's not necessarily universal across the board. Well, how do we I think it's the core of all the, all the predictions you made was that it's really about putting the customer right there in the middle of everything. Well, you, know, as, you know, I don't know if we are recording already, but, you know, as with a museum example, you know, we saw in, in Europe a lot of museums who had no clue about their audience. And then the pandemic hits. And therefore, they are not in a position to re-engage by providing, you know, new new type of services and products that you can think of, like uh, you know, virtual tours, virtual visits of the 
of the of the venue of the museum etc so you know at the core is the fan or the customer or whatever whatever you want to call it so you absolutely need to gather this data uh, and uh, you know there are a lot of discussion around gafam etc about data collection and to do what but uh, ultimately you know you are passionate about your museum you want your museum to be known uh, you want people to come back uh, you don't want people to come and visit once a year at best you want them to come to special exhibitions uh, so you need to be able to engage so i know in the us it's a slightly different uh, picture with respect to museums because you guys are, are mostly uh, are have an economic model which is very different than in Europe and you are much more uh, dependent on fundraising and, and donations, direct donations. Mm -hmm. In Europe, it's a lot of uh, government funds and there is there was until now no real incentive to know the fans or the museum fans and, and it has created this incentive. So that's, that's the, the bottom line. Then once you know your audience very well, you need the capability to increase the bottom line, to be very agile on the product, because you know that this segment will like this and this, and this segment will want something else. So this is where you need a, a, an extremely strong agility on, on the ability to create new product lines, new type of products, either that you manage directly or that you integrate through third parties. And you need to be able to monetize those products and have a good control on, on the on the sales and distribution of those products, whether they are, you know, hard hard product like a T-shirt or uh, uh, video streaming uh, ticket to to a specific game. So to to me, it's, I mean, it remains very simple. And, and to your point around why, or I don't know, I mean, I'm coming from a consulting background. I'm not from from the ticketing industry, but um, you know, it's it's. It's all all very logical, and and I think you know the, the the industry, the event industry, and the ticketing industry for years has been kind of constrained and and has has been uh, you know how would I say that politically correct you know under a lot of constraint from very large yeah. players to mm -hmm. stop you know a lot of innovation happening, but to a certain extent you know those very large distributors are doing their job. I mean you need distributors, you, you need you need a Walmart where you get all you need. So you need a you need a big distributor to see all sorts of various products. Uh, the problem becomes when you actually leave, leave everything to the distributor. So having control uh, on your on your product is, is absolutely key. And, and this is where I think you know um, the, the, the digital progression, the technology is, is is really starting to help now. Uh, I'm always taking this example when uh, when we are talking to to clients. It's, you know, 15 years ago you wanted to do a digital campaign. You will go to see a digital you know, agency or marketing agency. And essentially, the first thing they would take is your 10,000 spreadsheets, extract, extract the juice out of it, and generate a campaign, and they will uh, you know, invoice you for whatever. Yeah. You know, today, we can all do marketing campaigns through different type of tools. And this has been reinsourced. And I think you know, it's, uh, it's, that's why I'm saying it's a, there is a general trend to reinsourcing, and especially with uh, you know, the new generation of, uh, of leaders uh, coming coming onto the market. Yeah, to me, the big challenge or, you know, the way I explain it to people is um, you have before all the, there's so many great tools, but the most important thing you can't outsource, which is the idea of your strategy, which is where you will compete and how you will win. 
you know, and, it, and, you know, I use it in those competitive terms, but it's like, really like, who's, who's the customer, you know, and why are they going to give me their money? <laughs> you know, who's the fan, you know, why does my fan, you know, how do I keep my fans close by? Right. Um, if you're a football club, you know, it's like, why have they picked me over somebody else? And how do I encourage this? Because I mean, God bless uh, sports, right? It's uh, you have like one of the strongest brand connections of anybody in the world. I mean, like you should be able to get a lot of uh, revenue opportunities out of these connections. And it's, um, you know, at least from my point of view, the challenge is helping people understand, hey, look, th- these, these tools, they fit into what you're trying to do, right? And so if you need to understand your market, right? So we use the museums as an example, you know, it's like, well, uh, this is what our technology solution will do for you, right? And it, but it begins by you understanding, you know, how are you unique to the to people who love your your museum, you know, and what can you give them, right? Because one of the things there is a, an episode of the podcast I did with a guy called Sean Kelly from Vatic, and he did uh, we did a case study where we studied digital um, ticket prices for a, a, a venue here in the states, and the venue thought that people didn't necessarily value the streaming event as much as they would value the in-person event. And what he found out was that people valued everything just the same because the value that people were putting on it was the value of their connection to the organization and to the art that the organization created and not to how the content was delivered. And I think what people need to understand is that what you're giving them is not how you're giving it to them. It's, that connection. It's the feeling that you get for cheering for uh, Tottenham Hotspur, right? It's the feeling you get for um, being able to follow them in the paper, right? It's the feeling you get for knowing that there's a special exhibit that's happening, um, you, you know, at, you know, at MoMA in New York, right? And that you have the opportunity, like, to go there to support the art. Um, you know, you, there might be productions, uh, opera houses that people can't go right now but that doesn't mean they still don't care about the opera and that they don't want to support it and it's like understanding this is a great opportunity to step back and go well what do my customers really really want what do my fans really love about me and being able to give give it to them and realize what it is and then using technology to um do it effectively to monetize it to um you know, change the the footing of your organization because that's really what technology allows you to do. It allows you to do to be more effective at delivering value to your customers. At least yeah. that's my point of view. I don't know. I could be crazy. No, no, no. Completely align on on our on our mission and uh, at least as a company uh, and uh, and what we believe we we need to help our our, our clients to to achieve definitely. But yeah. you know. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm coming from a from a technology background. Actually, I'm not a marketer, <laughs> but uh, you know, you've uh, got the language, though. <laughs> but, but one of the main, uh, I mean, one of the main blockers, except you know what what we discussed earlier around industry uh, tectonic forces, is is uh, you know the, the complexity of implementation, and it shouldn't be discarded. Uh, you know, putting in place IT system in a consistent fashion. Uh, to enable you to be as agile as possible on your product front and on your customer uh, understanding, uh, it's it's not simple. You know, people people keep on saying, "Oh yes, I'm going to install a CRM." There are so many different nuances and definitions of CRM. Just to start with, you know, uh, yeah. so so it's um, so this is to to your point. You know, this is where we 
we are essentially uh, pushing the the message to the industry uh, of clients and prospects is uh, trying to help them to to realize you know what is important and then telling them very bluntly um, where where they need help from time to time you know uh, on uh, on various topics such as you know how do you how do you segment your audience I mean we are not a, a sport consulting uh, company but we have partners uh we can definitely help our, our customers to get a better understanding of their audience and then we will provide a system which is going to enable them to execute according to to what uh, those, uh, those analysis are, are are telling yeah no i mean again you you come from the technology background but you've got the uh the, the language because i th- i think there's um and again what i what i see and hear a lot of is that stuff that you and you and me, we might be taking for granted, right? It, it's there. It's not hard to do. Like segmenting an audience is not necessarily that hard. It's just that like most people don't know how, what it means and how to really do it. Right. And it's like, I have a, a 12 step process that I take people through. We segment based on behavior because that's the most effective way to do it is like what people do or don't do. Um, and But it teaches you these great things because then all of a sudden you, like you said, you can design products, you can create things for people and give them stuff and they will spend their money with you. And it, it's just, it's, um, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's really interesting to talk to somebody whose idea is like, let me figure out how to make this simpler and simpler for you so that you can do the things that make you really, really great and stand out because that's really what, you know, what you're talking about, what I'm talking about is giving people a chance to let their core competency shine. Like the thing that they do better than everybody else. That's all, that's all like you're trying to do. That's all I'm trying to do is like, let me help you get out of the way so that the thing that you do better than anybody else comes through for people and you can deliver that to them. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's a rant. (laughs) I don't know. but again, you know, coming back to our original topic around the, around pandemic and, and, and the impact uh, it, it has, I think, um, you know, with this European Champions League club, in, in, the, in a matter of three weeks, we managed to integrate a streaming provider connecting to our monetization platform, help the client to, you know, use a system to engage with their fan base, and they started to monetize uh, streaming in an empty stadium to, to their, you know, to their more important fans. And it was done in two to three weeks. So if you have the, the technology foundation, you can go actually very, very fast to, yes. uh, to implement those new products. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can definitely go slow to go fast, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, don't feel like you have to, um, that you're always scrambling. It's totally cool to step back, to take a day or two, to really think through what the goals are and the ambitions. Cause then if you know where you're trying to get to or what you're trying to do to your point, you can go very, very fast because again, a technology solution like Secutex can become plug and play pretty fast, right? You can integrate people very, very quickly. And the thing is, if you know what you're trying to achieve, the things you can do with some of the technology is amazing. It, it, yeah. it, you know, it's, and, uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I really like your point around, you know, our clients, you know, they, they know their audience, or I mean, they, they try to know, but at least they, they feel, they understand who their audience are. They understand, you know, their team, they understand why why people would love their venue or their museum, etc. So this is, and that that clearly is the best to define what type of you know new product may excite their audience, etc. 
this is what they are really good at. And our job is to make it as simple as possible. Right. And our job, you know, where we are really good at, at least as software technology providers, is, uh, is you know, the technology is moving so fast that we are really good at taking those new technology and make them, you know, usable uh, from a business sense to our, to our industry. So that's what we focus on. It's to, and, and, and you know, if you are if you are a, a sports club, there is no way you can keep up with the pace of innovation in technology. You need to rely right. on people who know the technology very well. But I think you know it's a combination of both, which can, which can become very powerful. Yeah, it's uh, that's exactly right, and it um, and it you know it, you know knowing your audience, uh, using the right tools, putting them at the core of everything. It's going to help with that one word that I don't think we worked into, but I'm going to work it in now, which is trust, right? Because you have to feel like the people that you're going to do, you know, like the people, the organizations you're going to cheer for or the venues you're going to do, that they're doing stuff because they care about you, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't really buy into the brand purpose thing, but I do know that if you don't treat your customers and your fans well, they will eventually turn their back on you. And I think that um, right now, um, you know, you really gotta. You, you have to focus on on the on customers and fans because they need to. Um, you know, they're gonna need. You know, they're gonna need to feel warm and welcome when they want to come back. Um, and I think we hit. I think we hit all seven predictions. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, we did. Not not in a, <laughs> a linear way, but we did. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if uh, if we hit, went in a linear way, uh, it would be like you just read the blog post again. <laughs> Um, so where can people find you on the internet, Fred? Secretics.com. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah. And did, did I miss anything or did we, do we do the thing? Sorry. Did I miss anything? Did we do, we did the thing, right? We got it. Oh, I think I we covered a lot of territory here. No, it, was a, it was a great, uh, it was a great discussion. It, made, it also gives me a food for thoughts because you are right. Uh, uh, we started this journey, uh, that we discussed. You know, in terms of re- reshaping Securitics as a company five years ago. Uh, and things have tremendously changed in the last five years from that, from, you know, from all the topics that we discussed, but there is still a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always ground to cover. Uh, cha- what, I told, what I told the last audience I gave a talk to was that change is constant. Um, and there's two ways you can deal with it. You can pretend it isn't happening or you can embrace it and try to manage it and put it in a direction that's going to benefit you and help you catch the next trend. Um, you know, so like, don't be afraid of change. It's just understand that you need to embrace it because it's always coming down the pike. Okay. And so right. Fred, yeah, thank you for doing this. Welcome. Great pleasure. And, um, and I wish you the best and let's reconnect in the future. What did you think of my conversation with Frederick? Let me know. Send me an email. It is my name, daviddavewakeman.com. Make sure you check out my website. It's a little bit new designed um, to reflect some change in uh, segmentation and positioning and targeting that I did for the new year, right? Because there's some research I did um, that focused on, you know, what people need or what people are looking for. So the website got updated a little bit and it reflects that and there'll be additions and I tried to clean it up, but check it out. It's DaveWakeman.com. There's a blog there. Uh, today I posted 10 principles of mine when it comes to pricing, which I think many of you will find interesting. So DaveWakeman.com. Make sure you get my newsletter. It's called Talking Tickets. It's available at TalkingTickets.substack.com. 
Uh, it's great. I have an NPS score of a 54, uh, which if you don't know NPS score, I have been talking about it in the Talking Tickets newsletter. Here's the thing. Uh, any score over 50 is exceptional. So on a scale of minus 100 to 100, uh, I have a 54. Uh, that's great. It was 60, somebody, uh, you know, uh, at, cer- at certain points, but it settled in around 54. It's great. Um, if you don't know NPS score, check it out. But the Talking Tickets newsletter is very uh, popular with everybody that reads it. It has a really, really high open rate of around 50%. Uh, it grows consistently 1% to 2% a week. It's awesome. If you don't get it, it's five stories from the week with ideas, uh, analysis, action items. Um, my Some of my best thinking on how you can help your business uh, reopen and grow in 2021. So talkingtickets.substack.com. The other newsletter I do is called The Business of Value. It's all about strategy and marketing. Uh, it comes out each Sunday. You can get that at businessofvalue.substack.com. Uh, make sure you connect with my partners, Booking Protect. Uh, refund protection is going to be a really important piece of providing people with peace of mind and security heading out of the pandemic. Uh, and it creates a new revenue stream for you. Kat, Simon, Kath, uh, the whole team there are phenomenal. Check them out, bookingprotect.com. Check out my friends uh, at ActivityStream, activitystream.com. Uh, they are the people behind the We Will Recover project, which you can find at wewillrecover.live. It's 20 or 25 organizations from around the world who are sharing ideas, concepts, webinars, uh, free classes, free ideas. Uh, they're best thinking to help everybody recover and get going and get through this pandemic as unfazed as possible. So wewillrecover.live and activitystream.com. Okay. Um, you know, Make sure that you let me know how everybody's doing. Again, pandemic has been tough on all of us. Don't feel like you need to go through this alone. Send me a neat note, daviddavewakeman.com. Let me know how you're doing. Um, and until the next time, be safe out there. Wear your mask. Keep your social distance. Uh, do everything you need to do to get through this thing safely. Um, but thank you for listening and thank you for being here. And I will talk to you soon.